Hi, welcome to Colonial Williamsburg, past and present on history.org. This is Behind the Scenes. Hi, welcome to the podcast. I'm Harmony Hunter. This week, the podcast comes to you from Colonial Williamsburg's historic area, where musicians are performing the art of fifing and drumming, a program that explores the history behind Williamsburg's iconic fife and drum corps. If you've never heard the fifes and drums in person, plan a visit this Friday, May 14th, and see the annual Fife and Drum Muster Drummer's Call, where fife and drum units from the United States and Canada will gather in Williamsburg for three days of marching and playing. Colonial Williamsburg's fifes and drums also perform year-round in the historic area, so make sure to come see them play no matter when you visit. Fall in. Maybe O'Carolyn's medley open beating mm -hmm. tune. Let's go. Fife's and drums, the ten. Sean? O'Carolyn's oh, medley. Fife's up. Ready. Down. Less. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to our Art of Fifing and Drumming. We're going to be playing music that was played in the 18th century and showing you how music was used as a form of communication for the military of the 18th century. My name is David Baker, and I'm a fifer here at Colonial Williamsburg. This is my instrument, the fife. The fife is a woodwind instrument that is made of one piece of hardwood. This particular fife is made out of a darker wood called grenadilla. It's a little bit more exotic and it comes from Africa. 
Typically in the 18th century, fifes would have been made out of any local hardwood, maple, persimmon. The fife is completely hollowed out through the center and has seven holes drilled into it. These six smaller holes you see, these are the finger holes. And this larger hole is the embouchure hole, or as you may know it, the blow hole. Now inside the fife, right above the embouchure hole, there's an essential piece. It's a cork that directs the air that makes its way into the fife underneath these six finger holes. And with different amounts of air and different fingerings for the notes, I can produce different pitches and tones. Now on either end of my fife, you see these two pieces. They're called furls. Their main purpose is to hold the fife together, prevent cracking. Here in Virginia, we have very hot and humid summers and cold and dry winters. So when the wood expands and shrinks, cracks can occur, and the furl's job is to prevent them from spreading. They also serve somewhat of a purpose of decoration. The fife can produce roughly two and a half octaves, uh, the lower octave and the higher octave. The lower octave was used mainly back in the encampments in the 18th century to practice the higher octave tunes without disturbing others, as well as it was used for entertainment. Now I'm going to demonstrate the lower octave for you playing a tune entitled Devil's Dream. Now the other octave, the higher octave, it was used mainly out on the battlefield and on a clear day such as today, it could be heard up to a mile away over the cannon fire. So that's why the fifers and drummers were essential during the 18th century for communication. I would like to demonstrate the higher octave with a tune entitled Marionettes. Now I'd like to turn over the program to Chris Myers, who will interpret the snare drum. Thank you. This is a replica of an 18th century field snare drum. It's made out of all natural parts. This main piece you see here is called the shell. It's the body of the drum. On either side of the shell are two calfskin heads. The top head is called the batter head. It's the head I play on. The bottom head is called the snare head. It gets its name from the six to 10 catgut snare strewn across the bottom. Holding the calfskin heads to the shell are these two red pieces here called rims or counter hoops. Strung throughout the counter hoops is 50 feet of cotton or linen rope. On the rope, you see these leather pieces called ears. Their main purpose is to control the tension on the calfskin heads. If I wanted to play on the drum, I'd push down on all of the ears as you see it right now. And what this does is it pulls the counter hoops closer together and stretches the calfskin heads across the shell, creating a nice, tight playing surface. If I wasn't playing the drum, I'd pull up on the ears all the way around the drum 
This relieves tension on the heads and keeps them from tearing. In the 18th century, drummers had little to no written music, so they had to learn everything by ear. To make this easier, they came up with a system of rudiments. Rudiments are simple patterns of notes whose names generally reflect what they sound like. A couple examples would be flam tap, rademicue, or paradiddle. In the 18th century, to prove to their instructors that they could play these rudiments proficiently, they'd play them open to close to open, or slow to fast to slow. To demonstrate this, I'll play the rademicue open to close to open. one word about what we're wearing, our uniform is portraying the regimental uniform that George Washington designed for the State Garrison Regiment late in the war, around uh, 1779 or 80. This was patterned directly after the British regimental coat. We are wearing red coats with blue facings because we are the musicians attached to the Virginia State Garrison Regiment who wore a blue coat with red facings. So we wore the opposite colors of the infantry we were with. And this is exactly how the British did also. So the musicians were always set apart by color coding. Um, you could see this on the battlefield. And there was a gentleman's agreement during the Revolutionary War that you would not purposely shoot at the other side's Pfeiffer and drummer. Very good reasons for this included the fact that they were children. They were unarmed, non-combatant children, roughly aged 10 to about 16 or so. That varied from area to area. But when you became of age, you then took up arms and joined the military. After you reached the age where you no longer had to bear arms, had you been a fifer or a drummer as a child, you could choose to come back and mentor the new fifers and drummers who were coming up through the ranks. The musicians in the 18th century military actually ranked higher than the adult infantry that they supported and were paid more because their job was considered very critical to the day-to-day -day operations of the military. We've only scratched the surface of the art of fifing and drumming. Listen again next week to hear how a soldier's day was regulated by the tunes played by the fifers and drummers. That's Colonial Williamsburg, past and present this time. We like hearing from you. Send us a comment at history.org slash podcasts. Check back often. We'll post more for you to download and hear.